I'd like to talk with you today about surviving the storms of life, because that's where we are when they're in the middle of a storm called a pandemic. Nancy Switzer of Portland, Oregon, wrote about a terrible storm that came into her life. It wasn't a physical storm, it was an emotional storm. Her oldest daughter, Jennifer, had gone off to college a few months before. She was hoping to be a doctor. Things seemed to be going well. She called one Sunday afternoon to say hi and to make plans for her trip home over Christmas. At midnight, the phone rang. May I speak with Van or Nancy Switzer? This is Nancy. This is the dorm superintendent. There's been an accident. Jennifer fell from a balcony and the ambulance has taken her to the hospital. You can call this number to check her status. She writes, I broke the pencil trying to write down the number, etching it deeply into the pad so it would be readable. My hand was shaking, but I knew Jen would be okay. They had taken her to the, by ambulance. She was being cared for. Be with her, Lord. As I hung up to go to a better phone in the kitchen, I spoke to my husband, Van. Van, it's Jenny. She fell from a balcony. As he immediately jumped out of bed and raced with me to the kitchen phone, I began to panic because of his reaction. He knew that she lived on the 10th floor, and if she had fallen from there, it would be very serious. I'm the family optimist and hoped that she had been with some of her friends on the second floor. The emergency room put the doctor on the phone to Van right away. As Van described our beautiful daughter to him for identification, I could hear the doctor's words come through the receiver, and she did not survive. The terrible truth set in as we held each other and cried for a long time. Just hours earlier, she had been so happy, vibrant, excited about life, anxious to see us next week. We would not see her now until our lifetime was over. She was gone. This child who had grown into a young lady, who had enjoyed life so much, and, enjoy, and we had enjoyed life through her as most parents do. As she sat on the balcony railing as she often did to watch the sunset, and talk with her friends, all of her life goals and dreams were shattered in a split second. This is how an incredible storm came into the life of the Switzer family. But they are surviving. They are okay because of their faith in the living God and their unshakable confidence in his love. I've never personally faced a storm like that in my life. But you and I never know what kind of storms we are going to face in the future. Who would have ever thought six months ago that we would be sheltering in place because of something called the coronavirus? But I believe that there are some scriptures, some principles which come to us from scripture which can help us weather the storms of life. I'm gonna share with you a story from the New Testament from the Gospel of Mark chapter four about how the disciples and Jesus weathered one of their storms. Mark 4, 35 to 41. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. 
And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and sea obey him? May the Lord bless to our hearts and our minds this reading of his word. So why did Jesus fall asleep in the boat? Well, if you read the previous chapter, you see what his life was like. By this time in his ministry, the word had gotten out that Jesus could heal people. And hundreds, thousands of people flocked to him to be healed. He was surrounded by them day and night. And finally, he had to just get away, do something different. And so as he gets into the boat, he's exhausted from teaching and healing, and he falls asleep. There are a couple of things we need to remember about storms. First, storms come unexpectedly, and secondly, they come furiously. The Sea of Galilee is not really a sea. It's a lake. It's a lake that happens to be 620 feet below sea level, and it's surrounded by mountains with deep ravines. And the ravines serve as funnels to focus the whirling winds down upon the lake. A severe storm can arise without notice, coming with terrifying suddenness. In the same way, storms often come into our lives without any warning whatever. Even when everything seems to be going well, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a storm of devastating proportions comes and surprises us. You can go to your doctor for a physical and have him say, there's a spot here that I want to have checked. And all of a sudden, a new word enters your life. Cancer. You can be called into the office of your boss. And at the end of one conversation, you've been let go. You have no job. You can be in a relationship for 25 years. And in one conversation, that relationship can be over. Storms come suddenly. And they come furiously. They come, and the squalls are so furious that they're threatening to sink the boat. The key to survival is to be prepared. Uh, after living in Miami for a decade, I got pretty familiar with storms. I lived through one true hurricane, Andrew, and three or four tropical storms. And the thing about hurricanes, though, is that they're a very kind kind of a storm because they actually do give you notice. About four or five days before a hurricane comes, the weatherman stands and points to a little swirling thing out in the Atlantic Ocean and says, there's a tropical depression that has formed. And then that little tropical depression becomes a tropical storm, and it gets a name. And then it becomes a Category 1 hurricane, Category 2, 3, up to 4. Uh, but there's time. You have time. But the, the, the uh, 
The news people and uh, the TV always do the same thing. The night before the hurricane arrives, they send the TV crew down to Home Depot. And there are all these people buying plywood and supplies, getting stuff to get their house ready for a hurricane that is coming tomorrow. Now they had a week, but they're there the night, the last night, the night before. It's actually much better to prepare for a storm before it arrives than in the middle of the storm. We need to understand that preparation is a continuous process. And I believe that there are some some beliefs, some ideas, some principles in Scripture that if we sink them deep into our heart, into our psyche, that they will help us get through whatever storm we're going through in our life. The first principle that we need to adopt into our hearts is the firm knowledge that Jesus cares for us. The firm knowledge that whatever happens, whatever circumstances we encounter, Jesus deeply cares for us. The thing that woke Jesus was not the storm. It was the cries of the apostles who were in the boat. And what was the thing, what was it that they, that they yelled out? Jesus, don't you care? We're about to die here. Don't you care? They'd been with him for almost three years. But they didn't understand his presence in their life. They were wondering whether he really cared about them. There is a song by Frank Greff called, Does Jesus Care? It says, Does Jesus care when my heart is pained too deeply for mirth or song? As the burdens press, as the cares distress, and the way grows weary and long, the chorus goes, oh yes, he cares, I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary, the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares. We know that because Jesus cared enough to come to us, to our planet, to die on a cross for us. He maintains that care and that vital interest in our lives to this day. The second thing that we need to remember when a storm comes is that Jesus isn't surprised. He wasn't taken back by the storm at all. This boat ride was Jesus' idea. He's the one that said, let's get into the boat and go over to the other side. In fact, he probably thought that the storm was just part of the day's curriculum. He knew he had the power to stop it. He knew nothing was going to happen. But he decided to allow. He's not surprised at all. Because you know what? The disciples were doing exactly what Jesus said to do. They were getting in the boat and going just like he said. You know, there's a lot of bad theology out there which says that these bad things that happen in our life are caused by us, that we do bad things and then that we reap bad things. And that if you do good things, you're only going to reap good things. But we know that that's simply not true. A lot of bad things happen to a lot of good people. The idea of karma says that whatever you put out, you get back. You can call this the anti-karma story. Because these disciples are doing exactly what Jesus tells them to do. And they get in a heck of a lot of trouble. 
a storm comes to their life. You know, uh, the Bible puts it this way. The rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. The other thing I love about this story, if Michael Barber was making a movie of the New Testament, I know that he would put this scene in there because you could really ham it up. You could have special effects. You could have this amazing sound and the wind and the waves and everything. And then all of a sudden, with just three little words, Jesus talks and boom, it's silence. Total quiet. Total stillness. A perfect dramatic movie scene. The other thing that we need to understand, though, frankly, though, I love the instantness of this, but I have not experienced in my life that that's the way prayer works. How I, I pray for something and then boom, automatically, instantly it happens. It takes time. And often, sometimes, I can only see a prayer answered in retrospect. By looking back on my life, I can then see, oh, yeah, God did answer that prayer for me. I didn't know it at the time, but God was working for good for me and for my life. In the meantime, we also need to know that Jesus is with us. He never left the disciples. He was in the boat with them. We need to be aware of his presence, and by doing so, we can experience his peace, no matter what particular storm we are going through. You know, it's better to be with Jesus in a storm than be without Jesus in the calm. We need to remember that. We also need to know that Jesus is very purposeful. He's clear to the disciples where they're going. They're going to the other side of the lake. He didn't promise them an easy trip, but he did promise that they would arrive. They would arrive at their destination. That's how it is with our lives. We have a promise at the end that whatever the day comes in which our physical body dies, that we will be raised to new life by Jesus Christ to live forever in the presence of God. That's the promise. That's what we are waiting for, hoping for in our life one day, to know that, as the song says, we will be lifted up on eagles' wings and fly because of the spirit and the grace of God. God will eventually, someday, lead all of us home. Six, we need to know that Jesus is sovereign. The disciples have already seen that him do amazing miracles, amazing, incredible things. And yet, they're not sure. It's like they're saying, well, I've, I know Jesus is great with lepers. Uh, I've, I've seen him do some good stuff for blind people. But how is he with drowning people? We haven't seen that. And so we have to understand that their lack of faith, even though they had been with him for three years, they're not sure. Fear and faith are mutually exclusive. They are afraid because they have a lack of faith in Jesus' power to save them. And so we need to make sure to use faith as the antidote to fear. And lastly, the disciples, yeah, they were really terrified. It says they were filled with awe, with a great fear. They were overwhelmed by it. Some people, when they come to a storm in their life, break down. But there are other people that break through to a new dimension of their spiritual life. They come through the storm deep with their faith deepened and refined, their priorities rearranged. 
These people become the persons Christ would have them be. Some of you who have been through a terrible, difficult time in your life, whether it's uh, a cancer scare or a divorce or the death of a loved one, you know that you can look back and you see that you are now a stronger person because of that experience. That your faith is stronger and your life is stronger because of that very, very experience. When storms come, they can either deform you or transform you. And the difference will be your faith and your cooperation with God. What happens when a storm takes place will be determined by how well you're prepared. If you take these truths and embed them in your heart and in your mind, if they become part of who you are, if your faith becomes a real thing in your life, then you will be better able to handle the storms that come our way, like the one that we are currently in. So whatever storm comes our way, it will transform us, and we will become more like Christ as a result of having experienced it. May God bless us all, all around the world, as we seek to weather this storm. Amen.